I'm pulling into the guy's street and he calls me and says, hey, I have a guy in here right now that offered me $10,000 over asking price. You're listening to the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast, hashtag the network. We are coming to you from the network studios inside Michigan Investment Title. This is episode 18, brought to you by ACN. Hey, everybody. We are back with another episode of Michigan Real Estate Investor Network, hashtag the network. And I'm here with three super duper cool dudes today. We're going to talk about what we are working on right now in our real estate investing business. So I'm going to send it over to Paul. Why don't you introduce yourself and let everybody know what you're working on? So, hey, my name is Paul Jones. I'm a wholesaler. And plus, I'm just working on some rentals in Detroit, Um, specifically Northwest Detroit. That's just where I want to be. So right now, I'm just working on raising the capital for my rentals right now because, you know, money's not cheap right now so that's just the main thing i'm working on i literally just got done talking with someone about 20 minutes ago pretty much about raising the capital for a specific rental that i'm working on at low rates because that's the main thing because if you're holding if you're holding the amortization you know of 10 years and the interest rate is stupid high you just can't get it done so that's one thing that i'm really happy about right now working on some good rentals right now working on some good wholesaling so. All right, we'll we'll dive deeper too as we go around the table, but that's uh that's right. pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, Mr. Aziz, how you guys doing? Uh, my name is Mike Aziz. Um, um, I'm uh, working on uh, doing a couple flips in Detroit right now. Um, there's uh, a few properties that I've been working on for the past couple of months, trying to close them, and it looks like we should be closing in about two weeks on two or three more deals. Um, and I also have my own insurance agency that I do full-time also, and we uh, insure investment properties, commercial, anything else that you have questions on, just I have resources that do the life and health, and that's what I don't like to touch. Perfect. We got Chris Jens. Hey, everybody. I'm, I primarily work in property preservation and maintenance. Uh, I'm looking to do buy and hold investing. Um, right now, I'm, I'm trying to focus on parts of Detroit, specifically the, the Cornerstone neighborhood. Um, I, I really like that neighborhood. And, um, you know, just uh, just looking to find my next property to buy and hold. Um, one of the reasons why I like the Cornerstone neighborhood is, obviously, its location and it's location to, you know, Maross and the hospital and there, there's, um, you know, more uh, established neighborhoods that surround it, including East English Village. And, you know, I think there's smaller houses there that, you know, are brick, smaller, good quality brick homes that, you know, can you can rent out for a good price. Cool. So uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, the Cornerstone neighborhood, I'm not very familiar with that neighborhood. I don't do a ton of investing in Detroit, although I have done some. I'm a little bit more east side just because of where I grew up. But where, where's Cornerstone and why are you um, you know, why are you excited about that section? So Cornerstone is on the upper east side. It's right at uh, basically Seven Mile and like Chandler Park or Seven Mile and uh, Mac area. And it's it's a, it's a really small neighborhood. It's just, it's actually, what is it? Uh, it's just north of East English Village. And so if you're looking at, so the boundaries would be kind of like um, Kaju, Mac, Maross, and then I think 94 would be, you know, off to the east. Um, why, you know, why I like that neighborhood? I like that neighborhood because 
obviously the, there's you know a solid business foundation like the hospital the hospital is right there st john's is old, old so old. this cornerstone looks at st john's for those of us who right. don't know that neighborhood. Right. okay so you're looking at st john's hospital on maross yeah. and mac yeah. okay and then to to the east is you know there's there's the gross point neighborhoods and then to the south you have east english village and to the to the west is 94 and then beyond that would be you know uh, uh I'm not sure exactly what the name of, of those neighborhoods are, but, uh, you know, it's it's a small neighborhood and, you know, there's a lot of brick homes there. And, you know, I just think there's a lot of potential. You know, I, I like that neighborhood personally because, you know, I, I want to be a part of, you know, revitalizing different homes and and specifically blocks or streets. You know, you know, I'm not looking to build a huge portfolio, but I'd like to contribute to the revitalization of the city and uh, specifically where this neighborhood is located i think there's a lot of potential gotcha that's cool yeah so that's always been kind of a neighborhood even back in the old days um there's a lot of duplexes over there on on Maras and um because it touches gross point because it pulls the hospital um uh, basically is is where a lot of those people who lived in those neighborhoods that's where they work so i think that's actually on the east side one of the first neighborhoods um that a lot of investors used to kind of work in and kind of play around with um so i never knew that was called the cornerstone that that's pretty cool so it's it's um it's really just like stuck in between a bunch of a bunch of good stuff so that's cool so um i'm a west sider so I, i really don't know much about the east side do you know any other areas well What's something about the east side that you're really interested in right now? Like, what's going on on the east side? Well, I, I think there there is also close to that neighborhood is the, I think there's the street, uh, strategic fund, yeah. um, and I think it's targeting somewhere close to that that upper east side area, on the street, and um, that that's another positive thing that's coming um, yeah. to the east side. Obviously, East English Village is you know it's a pretty strong neighborhood over there. Um, let's see. Um, couple investors told me you know you know uh uh, you know people like to buy their homes along the eight mile area yeah you know it's close to transit and you know between seven and eight miles is good because it's close to transit and you know obviously if you start from i I look i look at it as you start from the outside and work in yeah and the inner city is you know pretty tough at at some points so i just i look at the the boundary lines and where's the good spot to you know really build a solid foundation yeah no that's good and and i know mike even though it seemed i mean you were investing a long time ago because i knew you i mean i've known your name or we've known each other probably 15 years i think and then you were you were doing some stuff before the foreclosure boom and then you kind of backed out you went back into ins- or you went into your insurance pretty much real heavy and then you got back into investing only like three four years ago right yeah so back in 03 and 04 um i had a couple of rentals and a couple of flips that i did in Detroit, and it was like right in the pocket of like the not, uh, South of Freeway and Schoolcraft area. Um, and that was, uh, you know, I was finding properties there that were really priced really good. And then um, my partner that I was in business with uh, decided he wanted to get married, so we had to sell out. So I don't know if it was a blessing or if it was a curse, because it was right before the whole- Perfect timing, you know, man. Right before like the whole economy. And then um, um, I got involved in like a family business for probably about, seven to eight years i didn't get out of there till probably about almost the end of 2012 i started in the insurance business march of 2013 and then i got back into investing right at the i think it was november of 14 right at the end of 14 that's where i bought my first flip in warren um and that was a learning stage dealing with the city of warren and 
all their um, all their permits and all their inspections. So I kind of I think I fell into one of like the worst cities at first, but I still made money. And then from there, just kind of dove right into the suburbs because I didn't know Detroit too well. And right until the beginning of this year is when I really got into Detroit. And I'm still learning it. You know, I mean, it's kind of I found a good pocket, and I now I've kind of like learned a little bit more about the city of Detroit. So what's one like, um, it doesn't have to be a deal you did, because I kind of wanted it for us to talk today just about like cool, weird stuff that we've run into or deals that you're working on or maybe some, like you said, I know you deal with private sellers like I do, and you might have something on the back burner for a year with somebody and you just keep checking up with them, right? So I guess like what's one cool thing that you've um, you've thought about or almost done or that you're working on in like the last year or so, like just a, a weird deal or a big cash flow dealer, or what have you run into out there? So I got a property that um, that we found back in March, um, and uh, my partner at that time, he started the communication process with the seller, and then um, and then I kind of took it over from there. And but we still started working with him, and it's been since March or April that we've been communicating with this guy and. Now, every time I walk in the house, he says that it's my house. You know, like, <laughs> like I've already bought it from him, but we just haven't signed like the paperwork. Because yeah. I just, we built a good rapport with the guy um, that now I've extended our contract with him three or four times that I can just walk in the house. I'll just give him like the contract. He'll just sign like the extension. And it's really been from him more than anything else. He's kind of delayed the closing for the past month and a half. We've been ready to go. Sure. And he's just been, well, give me a couple more weeks. And I understand because he needs a place to stay and um, he doesn't know where to go and to the east side, to the west side. So, but, you know, it's it's all about because I don't want to, you don't want to make the seller feel uncomfortable in any way. You know, it's because not, it's not just from the business perspective, because I always look at it as if this was my family, how would they, how would I want them to be treated? Right. So it's always with with respect and with courtesy absolutely you know so and, and if you treat it that way and if you approach them with a respectable way and show them that you really care and i've even had lunch with the guy twice you know um so he knows that i'm not the kind of guy that's sure. just in it just for the dollar he knows that's how i feed my family and he knows that i had that, that like i have to make money but he also knows that i'm in it to help him out and i've gone above and beyond in certain ways for me to make sure that he's taken care of yeah, it's, it's a delicate dance when you're dealing with private sellers because, you know, I've been dealing with private sellers since the early 2000s. So for me, it's normal and I'm used to putting up with their crazy shenanigans and just knowing like it's just there's just craziness, right? There's always a fourth brother and there's always, you know, this other crazy, you know, just stuff that pops up. So you have to be um, you got to be flexible. And, you know, like what I tell a lot of newer people, they get in this business. Everybody wants to be a wholesaler and a house flipper. Right. So they're all like, hey, I'll close in three days and I do this and I pay cash. And they're like jumping down people throat people's throats. So I try to explain to them, listen, you got to tell these people I'm ready to close whenever you are. If that's nine months down the line and you got to go to Coney Island with the guy three times, there's nothing wrong with that. And and I, I mean, you're you're a real businessman and you've been around a long time in all different businesses. So I think we're similar to where you might learn something from, from that guy in life at, and that'll help your business. It has nothing to do with Big real time. estate either. Big time. Because we can learn from everybody. Just because we're in a different spot than they are possibly um, doesn't mean you can't learn from them. And like you said, you got to treat them with dignity and you know properly. And how do you know or how do I know that that guy doesn't turn you on to 30 houses and maybe you're not ready for him and you call me. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're doing 30 houses together. So right. that network, I mean, it's just so important. 
even with with your sellers. So I try to turn all my sellers into bird dogs, right? Or pri- possibly private Always. lenders or who knows what, because <laughs> we're giving them cash. So, you know, I've turned sellers into private lenders and said, what are you going to do with all this money? And then they go, mm, I don't know, stick it in the bank. What do you mean stick it in the bank? Well, I'm going to get a CD. Okay. So you want to make 1%? What if you could make 10 times that amount or five times that amount or whatever the number is? So I think it's really wise and important. And not that you're old, but compared to some of the new guys, right, who, who've been just getting, right, we got an 18, right, we got an 18 year old. But even in business, you never know where your next deal is going to come from, where your next business partner is going to come from. So, like I was saying, Having that wisdom, I think, is super important because in this market, when it's a seller's market, why the heck do they have to sell to us? Some people are just weird and they want to deal direct. Like I've dealt with, I dealt with a guy two years ago, and he's like, "I know you're going to buy this. I know that you're going to sell it and make money on me. I just don't feel like dealing with anything." But he had a tenant in there, and this is a house in North Warren, all brick neighborhood, beautiful property, twelve mile in Van Dyke. I mean, I sold it immediately. Had it sold before I even closed on it. He knew what I was doing. He just didn't want to deal with it. So we were his solution, just like you said, you know, earlier that either they want to move quick. So you're the solution or they want to move slow. So maybe you got to send them out to one of the brokers or agents that we're buddies with. But if we're always there for them, they're going to remember us because we took care of them. And you just never know because I've gotten deals on referrals because I treated people right. And I think all of us plan on being around for a long time. So it's important to, to have that mindset. So, Paul, tell us about something, something cool or crazy or you know, a deal that you ran into in the last year, maybe that was a little bit out of the ordinary that, um, that newer people need to learn and hear about. So, I mean, I guess since we're talking about people, I, I would say when I first entered into, um, real estate wholesaling and I, I dealt with this seller, you know, it was good. We built the report, but there's some things that I've learned now about like, you know, just kind of nicks and things that people absolutely need to know to, you know, feel comfortable comfortable about certain things and, you know, allowing you to do certain things, you know, because one thing we needed in the end of the, um, of the deal, we just needed a price change, just a, a certain price change, just so we could take this last step, just so we could do that. But me, because I was so new, I was so, you know, I was miscommunicating certain things, certain terminologies, you know, of course, back then I'm like, so I'm, I'm telling you what we need to do. I'm telling you what needs to happen. But it's like now when I, I was re- literally thinking about this last night, just kind of like, you know, there's certain things that I could have done better. So just communicating with sellers, treating sellers, you know, the right way. Of course, I was, you know, courteous to her, you know, talking to her nice, making her smile. Because, of course, as a person, that's just what I want to do. But, you know, of course, I, I want her to sell me the house because that's just how I make money. Well, again, yeah. you don't have your own family yet, but that's how we all that's how we feed ourselves. Right. Yeah. So that's just all it was. But then. You know, just me not really knowing. I'm thinking that, you know, we just do this, 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 and then that's the whole thing. I didn't think about what if this goes wrong? What if this goes bad? And so, you know, just miscommunicating with sellers, I, I missed out on a pretty good deal that I could have made, you know, maybe 10000 8000 on. You know, in Detroit, that's a pretty good price, but all because... That's a good number anywhere. You 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 knock one of those down a week. How many guys you know making 30 Gs a month, Mike? Not a lot really. of them say they are. I'm saying in any business, well, not, that's, not well, too that, many dudes knocking down 30 Gs a, a month. That's only on social media, though. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, those are Insta- Instagram all-stars, I call them, right? Yeah. So so that happened early, maybe August, something like that. So it was around August, you know, just missed out on a pretty good deal. But, you know, it goes back to around talking about people, you know, dealing with people and how you just have to communicate certain things to let them know, you know, this is really how it's going to happen. You may not know about this, but this has happened. These needs repair, so this is just why I have to break it down to them. So it's just 
one thing I've become I become more empathetic with people a lot, you know, when they describe certain things to me so I can understand how to solve their problems. Because, you know, you put yourself in another person's shoes, it just becomes a whole lot easier to solve their problems, you know. So that that's one thing that I just wasn't understanding. It's like I knew she had a problem and I knew selling the house will fix it. But the process of selling the house, you know, that whole thing. And that's one thing that I just really messed up on, you know, dealing with relationships, you know, no beef, you know, wasn't an argument or anything, you know, it was just miscommunication. So, you know, just kind of let it slip through my fingers a bit. So, you know, you live and you learn. So, you know, I've done more deals now, you know, just learning from that, just learning that you have to communicate certain things to people. So you live and learn moment. Yeah. Live and learn. Yep. yeah, no, that's for sure. I think communication is huge. Um, you know, if we forget when we deal with private sellers because every one of us at this table deals with private people. We're not just buying from brokers or from banks or anything like that. So we forget because we talk quick, right? So we're talking about this and comps and we use all the, the lingo that, um, that we use in the real estate investing business or regular real estate business, but you forget they have no clue what we're talking about. So if pretend we're staying with the plumber, which we've all done, right? What happens in the plumber's like, yeah, you need a street, you need a 90 Q T T T. And then we're like, all right, how much is that and how long does it take and what does that mean? Because you're talking, you know, silly silly to me because that's what contractors do because they're not salespeople like we are, right? We got to be relationship focused and minded. So it's like the slower and the the more simple we explain it. And I don't mean like they don't understand things, but you got to take all those words that we use and break them down just to normal um, a normal vo vocabulary because a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. And like, I, I'm bad. I'm talking fast right now. I'm speaking quickly, right? Because that's just how I am, especially when I'm passionate about something. So I know when I'm with the seller, I almost have to think and talk like this because they need to be comfortable, right? And they have to understand how mortgages work. And again, why I work with Michigan Investment Title, you know, because when they want to double check with me and call the title company and I'm going to explain to them exactly how Michigan investment title is going to explain things to them if they call, not to say behind my back, but they should. I have people tell me that all the time. How do I know you're real? I'm like, well, I have a real estate broker's license. I don't list homes for anyone. I only have it for my company. Look me up at the state. Call the state. See if it's active. See if I have anything against me. Not that that's the end all be all, but I try to show them just like Mike's got his insurance uh, producer license. You wouldn't have that if you were a felon, right? You wouldn't have that if you were if you were scamming people. Chris is a licensed builder. I know that. So he wouldn't have that. It's the same thing. So we got to use that. Paul's still young, so he doesn't have that yet. But you can you can even build like your credibility kit, which a lot of us don't use. I have one, but every investor should have one because now a homeowner can say, okay, so I mean, like I honestly know one of Paul's teachers. She comes to one of our RIAs, right? Her name's Ms. Benson. He can put her on there and she can say, I've known, I've known this young man since he was whatever, 15 years old, 13 years old. He's a good guy. He can put pre previous sellers on there, right? He can use me. He can use you guys. He can use Erica for Michigan Investment Title or, or other people. And now the seller just feels better because, again, you got to explain everything to them slowly so they're not nervous. There's so many scams out there nowadays. A lot of the people we deal with are in some type of situation. So they're like an ostrich with their head in the ground and they don't want to handle anything. It's like I tell people when I buy a house from someone who's three, four, five years back on taxes property taxes specifically. They haven't paid their property taxes for 1500 days. They know they're doing something wrong. Even if they say they don't, they know, right? So you got to be there for them. And like Paul said, you got to use empathy. I think that's super duper smart for him to say that. And again, wise for a, a younger person or someone newer in this business, even though he's been doing this business for like a 10th of his life, right? Because you, you got to be able to um, 
put truly put yourself in their shoes and you can't be like i mean we're in business to make money so you can't be super sympathetic and like sit there and cry with them but you have to understand like what would it be like if you were sitting down with your own mom in this situation how would you treat her even though we don't get the deal because we don't we get only one out of 10 or 20 houses we walk into right hopefully it's more than that but you got to treat them right you know so i mean i think that's just super important and uh awesome that you brought that up i want to say something about wholesaling too um you know when i um, first started and i am still pretty new to this you know i always thought you know wholesaling or generating your own leads you know by communicating with with, um, the sellers directly was you know kind of like a rite of passage so and i thought every investor you know should do it or and should know how to do it um so you know, I considered myself a wholesaler, kind of started doing that, you know, marketing to different people doing this. And, um, you know, it's super difficult because that really wasn't my end game. And and I wanted to build a, I I still, you know, want to build a real estate investment portfolio, you know, and buy and hold properties. You know, I I don't want to be a wholesaler. Um, So I thought that was kind of something that I had to do. Um, So, you know, I marketed to people, you know, got calls, you know, took calls, you know, it's it's really, it's it's hard work. You get, you got to be there to take the calls. You got to be able to call them back. And, you know, there was uh, several deals that I, that I've went out and, you know, visited sellers and just, you know, I just don't know how to, you know, sometimes I just didn't know how to properly communicate with them. And, you know, I've, you know, lost quite a few deals, you know, just by, by not, uh, you know, knowing, knowing my ropes. So, you know, I just, you know, now I just try to just deal with the wholesalers who you are experienced in dealing with the sellers and, you know, find my properties that way. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. It's not easy. And, and you got to focus on it. You got to study it. You know, I do, I do sales training all the time. I've been in sales my entire adult life. So, um, you know, every day I still work on it and, uh, whether the, the, when the economy changes and it's, and it becomes a buyer's market, cause it will, right. It, it, it always does. I, there's always cycles. You can still use those skills that you learn. Um, and some people, they might be more operation minded or more finance minded. So they're going to have somebody like me or Mike or maybe even Paul in the in front of them to do that. Um, whether it's as a wholesaler, or, listen, you want to hire me, you pay me enough money. I'm, you know, I'm, I got a for rent sign on my chest right now. Right. But <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, though, um, you know, you can use those skills because I talk a lot about. Um, so. I'm wearing my my Gary V shirt today, right? I got to point that that's, out. I got my props on. That's a nice shirt, my, by the way. Thank you. I got a, I got a gift it to me. I don't even know who sent it. I got my flip nerd nerd glasses. <laughs> so I'm I'm part of a, a nationwide um, I'm part of a nationwide uh, mastermind called Investor Fuel, ran by Mike Hambright, started Flip Nerd and and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, you know I've been investing longer than 95% of the people in those rooms. There's about 200, almost 200 members now. So something I always talk about is building up your buyer's list and building your buyers. And everybody says, you don't need to build a buyer's list as a wholesaler because when you have good deals, they'll sell, which is true. What happens when the market turns? When I came up, you couldn't sell a house if it was a good deal because all we had were houses because it was the foreclosure days, right? It's the foreclosure boom. So I've spent all my time building relationships with buyers. So when I get a deal, and you guys know this most of the time I'm wholesaling houses. You don't see, you don't see them sometimes when they're rentals, they're, they're there because it's a lot harder to sell a rental with a tenant in it. Or, um, you know, even if there's not a tenant because flippers want to buy them and flip them and make money. So like Mike, typically he's flipping houses. That's what I always did. I hated rentals, right? You got a couple rentals, but my point is like, if I find a good deal in Bagley and the numbers are right, you'll take it. Correct. Case closed. I know that. So if I have a good deal, bam, I can go right to him. I don't have to market them out there. So uh, I think, um, I think again, just with those sales skills, with those relationship skills, 
they translate to any part of the business. It translates just just it with networking. Every single person I do deal with, I've networked with one way or the other. And some of them maybe will come into my life without without me knowing them from a networking group or whether it's online or offline. But as soon as they come into my life, now they're networking. You know, the last house that I that I sold or a, a few ago anyways, sold to some buyers who I'd already sold another one to. And as soon as um, as soon as I met them, I invited them to every single different group, not just the ones that we're in or we run all of them. Because I told these guys, this is where you got to be. So I bring them right into the circle. And now they're meeting all you guys. You know what I mean? And like off camera, you guys are talking about properties in another city, right? And you've got access to some stuff possibly, or you've seen some things. Mike knows some things, you know, bam, it comes together. And, and that's what it's all about. So, I mean, networking for me is, is super important um, and a big part of it. But there's a little bit of salesmanship in there. And even though Chris doesn't think he's a like a wholesaler or whatever, or can go in living rooms, you totally can. It's just what you got to focus on. But you're a good salesman because you just do what you say you're going to do. So that that's a huge part of it, too, because you can hustle. It's easy to hustle in the street, but it's a lot harder to deliver. So, I mean, even like, go ahead. You're going to say something? No, I was just going to say Christians is a nice guy. I let him in my living room. Right. You trust him. I mean, <laughs> listen, that's a big part of it. You know, I've had a lot of different partners and one of my partners was very unassuming and he did very good in living rooms. And what I mean by that is when you looked at him, you didn't think he was a shark. So, you know, there's a reason I don't put on one of my slick shoe suits and shine my shoes up and get my hair like Mike, get my hair all gelled up. Right. <laughs> so when I go in there, I don't act like that. I don't look like that because I don't want them to have preconceived notions that I'm some kind of, you know, slick talking car salesman. I go in, I'm wearing normal clothes. And like I said, when I talk to them, I sit down, take my time. Don't talk fast. Right. Speak, at, you know, at a normal pace and, and just take my time and listen to what what's going on with them. Because if you can't cure what's going on with them, because it's going to be outside the real estate, the problem, nine times out of ten, eight times out of ten, then you're not going to be able to do a deal with them. And and I feel like that's a very important part because I feel like a lot of people don't even like see the guy that's sitting in front of them. All they care about is the drywall, the plumbing. Yeah. Right. Contract, contract, right. contract. You know, so they're like, they don't even care if the guy's going through a foreclosure, if he had a death in the family, whatever it is. They're just so focused on the house that the guy catches it or whoever is sitting there and they're like, I don't want to deal with this guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like he's not doing the best for me. Right. So that's what you got to listen to what they're, to what they're trying to tell you and tell them, maybe I'm not the best option for you. Maybe I can find you a different option. And then it takes that shield down. Huge, right? huge, you know, and, and then they know that you're real, but if you walk in just trying to sign, 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 they, you know, you'll get them, right? You will. You will, but I mean... You just won't get as many. You just won't get as many. Or at the number that you're hoping to get them either. Well, or with the flexibility. It doesn't always have to be a number. So yesterday I was supposed to go walk through a house and the guy called me at 10 o'clock and said, hey, I need to sell my house. Can you come walk through it? I said, I'll be there at 2. I'm pulling into the guy's street and he calls me and says, hey, I have a guy in here right now that offered me $10,000 over asking price. I said, before you sign anything, I said, let me give you a couple pointers. I said, does he have the proof of funds? Right. I said, do you know if he's going to buy it for real or is he just trying to put you on the contract? I said, make sure that the days that he has that under contract is not 90 days because right. you can't do anything else with it. So I said, make sure you follow all these things. And then the guy is on the other line of the phone. And I said, well, don't sign anything with him until you read all that stuff and make sure. What city was that in? West Bloomfield. I was in that house. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mike's like, don't sign this guy's contract. I said, Hold is on it a Dylan? Minute. Kick him out. 
<laughs> so he, so I said, call me back. I said, I'm going to leave because I'm not going to cause any. Of course. Of, so I said, I'm going to like leave, but I'm going to be parked in like the shopping center right outside. Call me in about 20 minutes. So I followed up with him. He said, hey, he had the proof of fund. I don't know if he did or didn't, but, you know, he appreciated the things that I told him. Sure. You know, and it wasn't just for me. It's because. I walked into situations where the guy said, I already signed the contract. I said, has he closed yet? No. Do you have a date set up? No. Did you see proof of funds? No. Why did you sign? I don't know. Right. right. So it's like they put themselves in a bad situation and then they're locked in for 90 days and the house might foreclose on at that time and the guy might lose everything. Right. But the other guy just, just didn't do the right process to help him out. Yeah. Right. So it happens. Yeah, I've, I've done the same thing. I mean, earlier, I don't know when it was, last summer, summer before, I sat with a lady, and uh, she was a good lady. Her mom passed away. So, you you know, you got to be careful when you talk to people. Like I said, this is what I do. For those of you not, not watching, I take my watch off, I take my phone, and I leave it in my truck. Because when I sit with them, I don't need anybody bothering me. Because 50 years ago, nobody could bother us anyways, right? right. So I sit there, and, and, and they're the only thing that I focus on. So she told me she didn't want to basically give the house away to someone who is going to fix the big crack in the basement wall, rehab the whole thing, blah, 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 because she could just do all that too because that was whatever. She lived by there, and she was going to handle it all. So I'm like, okay, sounds like fun. I meet grown men older than me who have done way more in life. You teach them how to rehab a house or tell them on a half hour at lunch what it takes, and they're like, no thanks. I'll just lend money, right? So so I taught her everything she need. I told her everything she needed to do, and I said I even gave her a list of contractors. I said, here are the guys you can call, blah, blah, blah. She called, this is on a Friday. She calls me Saturday afternoon and she's like, and, and I did give her the offer too. My whole thing every time is as promised, here's the offer. Even though I know you're not going to take it because you told me you won't, let me go through this whole contract with you like Mike Aziz says and says, here we go. So here's what this means. Here's how long I have to close. Here's what this means. This is, this is you know, I, I'm not going to do a home inspection. Here's what this means. I'll hold you harmless no matter if there's a crack in the basement wall. Because I always tell people I eat crack for breakfast, right? Especially in basement <laughs> walls. So I go through the whole thing with her. So now she trusted me because I, I told her, you can't sign this because you're not going to anyways. But I want you to know if you do talk to somebody else, and you should, call an agent, call another investor. Here's what to look out for. I gave her my contract. I left. She calls me uh, the next day and says, Pretend I offered her 100. She says, can you do 103? What do you think I said? I, I waited for about 10 minutes and talked to her, but then I said, I think we can make it work. Yeah. We, we met up. It wasn't that next day on Sunday, but she wanted to meet Monday because she was going to work that day. Went, signed the contract. I had to wait like 90 days to close on that one because they were having a big, um, what's it called, sale uh, with all the stuff. The estate sale? Estate sale with all the junk in there, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, the estate sale person told her it was going to be in like three weeks. It was like six weeks. I had my buyer lined up. Everything was good. I had already wholesaled the house. Everything was perfect. But my, my whole point is, like, I sat with her. I treated her okay. Even though she told me she was not going to sell to me, I did everything I was supposed to do that I promised to do, handed it to her, told her how to do it all, and then I left, right? Still ended up buying the house. So that's that's just how things go. That's my watch falling because I don't take those into uh, <laughs> into uh, into appointments. But so I, I want to keep going around the table with this, Chris. What um, in the last year or so, even if it was a couple of years ago, like why don't you tell us about a cool deal that that you heard of or that you looked at? Because I know that that you like to go through and and work the numbers on deals. He's one of the best um, guys I know. Like 
you know, putting numbers together, working spreadsheets and that kind of stuff is more of a buy and hold versus a flip. But what what kind of an odd thing did you come across that seemed to be like a really good deal that somebody may have missed? Something that somebody may have missed. Um, let's see. Well, I guess, you know, um, what I can tell you, one of like the, the walkthroughs I went on and, you know, I can kind of lead back to something that Mike said, you know, I, I, I this guy was uh, totally motivated, um, ready to sell. And, you know, I walked through the property and I was more focused on the property than I, you know, was about him. And, you know, he was talking to me as I was walking around. Um, looking at the property and you know it turns out turns out you know the the main thing is you know just finding out what this guy you know actually really wanted I, I and I didn't listen to uh, well I mean I didn't I guess I wasn't listening you know I wasn't listening to him um, so I ended up losing that deal but I you know I kept track of the property and tried to stay in communication with the guy and you know it turns out you know he ended up selling it to another investor and you know I saw the property and you know, he bought it, I think he bought it for like $10,000 more than, you know, what I actually offered him. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a learning lesson. Um, but I've also seen, seen a lot of the properties that, you know, you know, I was marketing to, um, early on and I've seen those, you know, without the, the persistence of, you know, continued marketing and, and keep looking at the, keep marketing to those properties. I've seen other investors, you know, capitalize on things that, you know, I might've quit on. So, um, I guess just, uh, you know, making sure you're, you know, you are, you know, you know, fully committed to that. That's kind of a little, little off the, what you actually asked. No, me, no, but, that's good. Um, that's a good you lesson. Know, you gotta, you gotta fully commit to what you're doing. And, you know, like Mike said, you, you have to, you know, understand that it's, it's, it's more about the people than it is about the property. And, and, and I think, you know, I've heard several stories where, you know, if the investor cares more about the person than the actual property, then, then they'll just, you know, you, you'll be able to help them. Yep. No, that's a lesson to take. I mean, Mike said it. I back it up. You say it. So, Paul, we're going to give you the parting words. For everybody out there watching and listening, what do you have to say? Oh, okay. So, well, we came in here. We, we plan on just talking about our recent deals, things that we're about to get into. But I feel like we just really learned a lesson about communication with sellers. Because, you know, without the sellers, we just don't do anything. We sit still. If we don't have proper communication with them, if we don't treat them right, if we don't treat them with the respect that we need to treat them with, then, you know, we miss out on things. We miss out on flips, wholesales, rentals, anything. So I really think that this is some, something for someone who's wondering why are sellers not really responding the way that I want them to, you know. So I feel like this is a good listen for that, definitely. Perfect. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys listening and watching. And this is another episode of Michigan Real Estate Investor Network. Hashtag the network here with Chris Jens, Mike Aziz, Paul Jones, and I'm Dylan Tanaka. And we'll catch you guys again soon. We hope you found a lot of value in today's show. If there's anything we mentioned and you missed it, don't worry. We take all of the notes and you can find them at michiganreinetwork.com forward slash episodes. If you want to meet any of today's guests in person, you can usually find them at a hashtag the network meetup in Metro Detroit. You can find all about the network at www.michiganreinetwork.com. By the way, if you're new, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes of this show. This brings us to the end of another episode of Hashtag The Network Roundtable Podcast. And as always, share the love.